Amen. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, we're going to jump in and get going. Tomorrow, our primary staff is going to be meeting, uh, planning 2015 and, and strategizing and getting things uh, together. We're, we're, we're meeting to finish strong. Everybody say finish strong. In fact, we are going to finish strong. And let me just, let me throw this out. New Year's Eve is a Wednesday night. And let me just tell you on Wednesday night, we're going to get our worship on on Wednesday night. We're going to worship the Lord real strong. And then we're going to release the prophetic anointing over you and over your family. Uh, and so here's what you're going to get on, on New Year's Eve. You say, well, you already skipped Thanksgiving and Christmas. Man, I'm excited about the end of the year. But I'm just telling you, what you're going to get on New Year's Eve, you're going to get a, the presence of God and, and our ministry team is going to be here. We're going to release the prophetic anointing over you for 2015. We're going to prophesy and speak the word of the Lord over you. Ooh, that'd be a great way to finish strong and begin strong. So a lot of great things going on. Look at your bulletin. Look at all the things that are happening. And let's finish strong. And we're almost finished with this series. But this series is going to launch us into the new year. As we talk about the disciple, what it really means to follow Jesus. Our keynote verse has been now for the last six weeks. This is the seventh week. Next week I finish up. Our keynote verse is, ought to be everybody's life verse. It's the great what? The great commission. Let's all read it out loud together. Here we go. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And everybody said amen. I've given you a threefold uh, definition of discipleship, what it means to be a disciple. The first one is this. It's a call to follow Jesus. Jesus would get his uh, future followers and he would say, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. And they would begin to follow him. Peter, they left their nets and they began to follow him. So it's a call to follow Jesus. And I trust today that you're endeavoring in your life to follow him. Don't follow the, the, the whims of this world. You'll be disappointed. But if you'll follow him... You'll put, set your face like a flint to follow him. He will lead you into a whole new level of, of, of discipleship and spiritual growth. The second part of that, uh, of that definition is, uh, not only a call to follow Jesus, but a call to fish for men. Jesus told his disciples, follow me and I will what? I'll make you fishers of men. That's what God's goal and plan is for all of us, to be fishermen or fisher ladies. And I'm not talking about just bass fishing or crappie fishing or, or deep sea fishing. I've got a friend of mine about to take me red fishing. I'm all excited. He said, I got reds in the, we got something about in the, I got reds in my eyes or something. I don't know. He, he's excited about taking me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about reaching out. In 2015, our goal is, our, our, our plan, our strategy, uh, our, our mindset for 2015 is evangelism and, and outreach. We're going to reach out like never before and we're going to make a difference in the world. It's a call to follow him. It's a call to fish for men, and number three, it's a call to fellowship with the family of faith. That's the threefold de definition. And so we've been looking at a lot of different aspects of that. And we've been talking out of the Sermon on the Mount. We've been talking about the lifestyle of discipleship because uh, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. And we said this, discipleship is a lifelong process that requires daily discipline for its development. We've got to find the disciplines and we've got to allow God to make us 
into fishers of men, into men and women who follow after him. Now quickly, uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, which is really the whole theme of it, is the lifestyle of discipleship. We realize that, that these disciples, when they followed him, they were lifestyle committed. And we talked about this from the Sermon on the Mount. They had a lifestyle of learning, had a lifestyle of giving. He taught them a lifestyle of praying, a lifestyle of fasting, a lifestyle of trusting. And then last week, a lifestyle of introspection, looking in. We realize that we've got to have some regular internal adjustments in our life and looking in. And that's what uh, Matthew chapter 7, the first few verses was about, about tweaking the inner. Before you get the speck out of your brother's eye, you better tweak some things in your own life and get the beam out of your own eye. Are you with me? Say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, it's going to be good this morning. It's going to be good this morning. Amen. Hey, I, I'm believing that. And so today I want to talk to you very simply about another aspect of this lifestyle of discipleship. And it is this. It is a lifestyle of persistent pursuit. Everyone say persistent pursuit. Look in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Here we go. You've read this. You've heard it 101 times. We're going to hear it again today. Jesus said, now remember, he's talking to disciples. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Everybody answer that question out loud. No, <laughs> okay. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Y'all are slow. I'm going to give you a chance to do this all over again. Verse 9, you answer out loud these questions. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Thank you. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? All right, there you go. He goes on to say, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father uh, in heaven, who is in heaven, give good things to those who what? Ask him, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And everybody said, amen. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. May it make, make a big difference in our life and bring forth fruit in us. And may we learn the fine art as disciples of persistently pursuing after you. Amen. He begins by three thoughts. Ask, everyone say ask, seek, and knock. Now, all three of these things, these illustrations, all have the principle of persistence at their core. When you study the words and you study the phrasing in Greek, you'll find that it, it is laced with this idea of persistence. In other words, asking and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, and knock and keep on knocking. They all have the, the theme of persistence. And in fact, on the, on the other side of the coin, when it says if you ask, uh, you know, and if you seek and if you knock, God will open the door. It's the persist. He will keep answering. He will keep supplying. He will keep opening unto you. So as we persist with God, he persists back with us in his response to us as we ask and keep on asking, as we seek and keep on seeking, and as we knock and keep on knocking. And so it's, it's, the, persi it's the persistence that God is looking for in all of us. Now, I love, and sometimes I just preach, you preach out of the dictionary. And here's what persistence means. A firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. 
Let's read that together. A firm or obstinate continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty. That's persistence. And we find the principle of persistence. Jesus taught it uh, in many different ways. He modeled it in many different ways. In fact, did you know when Jesus was in the garden praying before crucifixion, when he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, did you know he asked the Lord three times if he would remove that uh, uh, this cup from him, if it be thy will? But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus didn't just pray at once. He kept asking. After the Lord until he got an answer. Now, just because you persist with God at the place of prayer doesn't mean you're going to get the answer you want. It means how many of you would rather have an answer than no answer? I want the will of God for my life. Amen. How many of you want the will of God for your life? And uh, hey, and as disciples, we've got to develop within us this lifestyle of persistence. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to obstinately continue in this direction that God has me on. I will not back up. I will not be moved. I will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. I'm not going to quit. Everybody look at two or three people and say, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Come on, Amanda. Come on, help me out. Say, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And let me just say, if you don't have anybody sitting around you, do this. No, it's, it's not you. It's not you. Uh, about half of them smell like deer right now. They sprayed weird things on their bodies so the deer wouldn't smell their human body. It's weird. Okay. Uh, so, hey. We've got to develop this lifestyle of persistence, and Jesus taught it persistently. Now, Luke's example, or Luke's account of this Matthew 7, if you want to turn over there, let me show you this. Luke chapter 11. Uh, and I love, you know, you need to understand that the Gospels are four different uh, apostles, if you will, their perspective of the teachings of Jesus and how, how the Holy Spirit moved upon them to write it down. Uh, and so same kind of thing in Matthew chapter 11, uh, uh, Matthew, pardon me, Luke records what we call the model prayer when they said, teach us to pray. But then we have Luke recording this uh, little story or parable, if you will, from Jesus in Matthew chapter, pardon me, I keep going back to Matthew, Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, in other words, after he talked to uh, the, the model prayer, Father which art in heaven, and he said to them, which of you having a friend, and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing set before him. And he will answer from it, from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his what? Persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And then Luke jumps in to the same passage that we read in Matthew 7. So I say to you, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. The same thought of persistence. So uh, uh, Luke kind of better links with this story of persistence to this passage of ask, seek and knock. And so uh, God is looking for people. He's looking for disciples who have a, have a backbone of persistence on the inside of them that regardless of the opposition, 
They're going to persist with God. They're going to press forward. You need, you see, that's got to be the attitude of all of us. The lifestyle of discipleship and making disciples requires firm and obstinate continuance for its continued development. We've got to stay with it. We've got to press forward. We can't give up. We can't get uh, uh, lackadaisical. We can't get lazy when it comes to the purposes of God for our life. We've got to persist with God. And we especially must persist with Him at the place of prayer. You see, there's opposition in the atmosphere. Did you know that? We're pressing against present day culture that is trying to conform us. Did you know Paul said, don't be conformed to this world. The world is trying to conform us to its image. The world is trying to put us in the closet. I just want to say, come out, come out wherever you are. Come on now. We've got to, we're, we're pressing against present day culture and, and present day culture is in opposition to the word and the will of God for your life and certainly in opposition to making disciples of all nations. We're pressing against principalities and powers, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. There's spiritual warfare going on. There's demonic oppression in the atmosphere. And we've got to stand. We cannot quit. We can't be intimidated by the things of this world. We can't be intimidated by present day culture. And we certainly can't be intimidated by the principalities and the powers and the spiritual forces of wickedness. Everybody go, have you ever had a dog got a hold of a bone and he wouldn't let go? And he says, you try to get it from him? That's the way we've got to be with this thing called prayer and with making disciples. We're pressing against present day culture. We're pressing against principalities and powers and we're pressing even against past and present personal problems. There's issues we all have been through. Things of our past, things we're facing now. You, hey, let me just tell you, I don't know what you're going through and I don't want to undermine what you're going through or be, uh, be, uh, uh, uncaring about what you're going through. But let me just say, whatever you're going through, don't let it knock you off course towards the purpose of God for your life. As we learn today, it might be God allowing it to be there, not just uh, keeping us from our future, but positioning us for our future. Are you with me? Say amen. We should have been in Sunday circles this morning. And let me just pause. I'm going to pause. Everybody push the pause button. We've got this year one more Sunday circle. Okay. And here's what I want everybody that's not a part of Sunday circles to do next Sunday. Just come and taste. Next Sunday, come and taste. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, hey, let's be here at 930 to go to Sunday circles. I want you to just taste. I need you to taste it. It's just one more. It's just, it, it's 45 minutes. Oh my. 45 minutes. Everybody say, I'm, I'm, come and taste. Come and taste. Okay. Be here next Sunday and get a taste of Sunday circles. I think you will like it. There's child care. And number two, there is donuts. So. Sunday circles. All right. And so, hey, we've got to persist with God. We've got to, we're, we're, there are things that are pressing us, things that are, that are, are persecuting us, if you will. And listen, it's going on all over the world and we cannot allow it. We must persist with God. Luke chapter 18. Turn over there quickly. Luke 18. He talks about it again in another way. He gives another story. Luke 18 verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them and the men always, that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Everyone say pray and not lose heart. 
He's talking about persistence. And here's the parable. There was a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Nor uh, Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, give justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I don't fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her or vindicate her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, He shall, and shall God not avenge or vindicate his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, what's he saying here? You've got to persist with God at the place of prayer. And you've got to stick with it. You can't quit. You can't give up. If the unjust judge gives up and says, Okay, calf rope, how much more will your heavenly Father, who wants to vindicate you and help you? So Jesus taught us this principle. We learned this, and if you just put a big kind of just think about the Sermon on the Mount and, and what Jesus is trying to teach us here, he's saying, hey, discipleship requires persistence. If you're going to be a disciple, you've got to persist with this thing. This cannot be part-time discipleship. You've got to get persistent. You've got to get dogged, if you will. You've got to get obstinate and just say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to back up. I've set my face like a flint. I'm pressing toward the purposes of God. I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to fish for men. I'm going to fellowship with the saints, and I'm not going to let any demon, devil in hell or culture or, or past problem or present circumstance keep me from the purpose of God for my life got three of you. Beverly, clap your hand. (laughs) She's doing better, by the way. She did something. She tied a bow today. Let's give God the glory. Hallelujah. Man, she took a shower today. Didn't need me to wash her shoulder. I was so happy. She's getting better. Hallelujah. So today, as we we think about this, listen, discipleship's not for the faint of heart. It's not for those who are just kind of milk toast about this. In fact, there's some proverbs and some scripture that I just want to throw out. Then we're going to talk about persisting with God at the place of prayer. I love this one. Proverbs 24:10. Just a warning. If you faint the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And then Galatians 5, really 7 through 10. He, but he says this, let us not grow weary while doing good. Don't grow weary while doing good. How many of you know making discipleship is a good thing? Don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Everybody say faint not. I'm telling you, God will honor us if we'll persist with him. And now for the next couple of moments, let me just kind of bring it down to the real context of what what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 7 and in Luke 11, persisting with God at the place of prayer. I'm telling you, we're coming close to the the end of the year. And as we move into January, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting set aside. We're going to, you can do this however you want, but we, we try to model, pardon me, the Daniel fast. Uh, and we begin on the first Sunday, uh, pardon me, the second Sunday, which is January 11th, I believe, and go through February 1st. Okay, and so we're going to be praying and seeking God. We're going to have uh, prayer teams uh, at least one every day of the week uh, uh, here praying for an hour. 
We're going to bombard heaven and our focus is going to be for the souls of men. We're going to pray to God that he would give us souls in 2015. We're going to, we're going to saturate the atmosphere, if you will, with prayers from this church going, God, let people be born again here in this house. Let this church become a harvesting church. Let this church reach out to the four corners of this community and beyond. Lord, let lost people come wandering in the doors with burdens and wounds and hurts and pains and get set free right here in the altar. We're going to do that. Have you think that'd be good. All right. And so we've got to, we're going to begin to model persistence. And so let me give you some thoughts about persisting with God at the place of prayer. Uh, it, it, you know, all the ladies who've given birth, raise your hand. Did any, okay. I got a lot of you. Let me ask all you ladies, as you were giving birth, was there anything in you at, at about halfway through or two thirds of the way through that says, I can't do that. Raise your hand. I got a few. Okay. Uh, y'all, the rest of y'all doped up, weren't you? How many of you, you just thought, oh my goodness, I want to quit. I mean, oh, hey, oh man. But you, you thank God you're not still there going. <laughs> Somehow you persisted. In just a few short months, Laura Beth's going to be there again. Let me tell you something. That Laura Beth gets wow when she gives baby. I heard strange noises I've never heard come from any woman. I'll never forget. I don't know if it was with Gideon or Jojo. We're all in there. She'd had, I don't know, we're all having fun. She's kind of, you know, they're getting the reports back and forth. And we're all in there having fun. And it got close. And Laura Beth looked at me and me and Nathan said, y'all need to leave now. (laughs) Okay. She didn't even remember that. I got it imprinted on the forefront. I got it. I left now. Hey, it's persistent. And so he's talking about persisting with God in prayer. Here we go. I'm going to give you some thoughts. Number one, it's just a part of the process. It's a part of the process. Persisting with God at the place of prayer is a part of the process. What did he tell his disciples after he, uh, after he uh, uh, rose from the dead? Uh, he got with them. He said, go to Jerusalem and what? Wait for the promise of the Father. And what do we find them doing in Acts chapter 1, verse 14? They're all continuing with one accord in prayer and supplication. And that's the process. It's just like giving birth. There's a process. To give birth to anything, it takes time, effort, and energy. You know why I always say this. You know why, ladies, why God didn't allow gestation period to be six weeks? Six weeks, you'd be going, eh, I don't feel like. Nine months, it's coming out. I'm ready. (sighs) Push, 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 push. It's the part of the process. Hey, persisting with God in prayer, being obstinately pressing forward at the place of prayer. You need to get this. This is just how it works. Now, every once in a while, <laughs> like my wife the other day, when she, when her whole arm just froze up and pain just was shooting through every part of her body, I'm telling you, this woman cried out to God. She said, God, release me from this. It was some kind of muscle spasm, what it ended up being. And I thought she was, I'm going to have to take her to the doctor again. And it just immediately released. Immediately released. Now that's great. That's great. 
We thank God for those times. But that's not how it always happens. God, sometimes there's something going on when you think nothing's going on. When you're praying for somebody, you don't know what's going on in their world, but something's going on when you don't see anything going on. And you and I need to embrace the reality that prayer for a disciple, that persistence is just a part of the process. This is just the way it works. Jesus taught it. You got to ask and keep on asking. You got to seek and keep on seeking. You got to knock and keep on knocking. This is just the way it works. Somebody say amen. It's a part of the process. And we see, we see those, uh, and I, I'll just, my divine imagination here, the disciples are all in the upper room. They're praying, they're praying, they're seeking God for days and they're praying and fasting. They're not checking Facebook. They're not playing tittle, uh, uh, fiddlesticks or anything. They're, they're not playing, uh, you know, whatever, you know, words with friends. They're, they're persisting with God at the place of prayer. Acts chapter two, it says, and suddenly, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. You see, it was not really suddenly. There was something going on when nothing was going on. As they were getting the atmosphere primed and prompt and getting their internal clocks and their internal hearts adjusted towards God's newfound purpose and plan for their life, they're persisting with God at the place of prayer. They didn't even know what the Holy Spirit being poured out looked like. They, this was all news to them. They didn't, hey, they had little tongues of fire on each other's head. They started talking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and power came upon them. But it was a part of the process. How, how did they get there? persisting with God at the place of prayer. It's just a part of the process. Amen. It's not a lack of faith to ask more than once. Jesus said, ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Amen. It's part of the process. Number two, persisting with God at the place of prayer is a product of a faith-filled heart. When you got faith in your heart, you're going to persist with God at the place of prayer. It, it's just a, it's a law. If you don't have faith in your heart that he's going to answer you, you'll stop. You'll quit. You'll give up. You'll throw in the towel. But if you have faith in your heart, it doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter how hard the road. It doesn't matter how, how deep the valley or how troubled you are. You've got faith in your heart and you will keep pressing in with God until the answer comes. I love what David said in Psalm 27, one of my favorite verses. He said, I would have despaired. I would have fainted. I would have quit. I would have given up a long time ago had I not believed that I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If I didn't have faith in my heart, I would have quit. Let me tell you something. When people quit, they lost their faith. Somebody here this morning. You're about to quit. You're about to give up. Listen, you gotta stir up faith in your heart. You gotta get, you gotta get tenacious. You gotta say, I am not throwing in the towel. I'm not gonna let the pressures of this world. I'm not gonna let the pressures of the principalities and the powers and the spiritual forces of wickedness. I'm not gonna let my past or even my present problems knock me off course. I'm gonna keep on keeping on. I'm not backing up. I'm not going down. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm persisting with God at the place of prayer. And I'm telling you, God loves it when you do. 
He loves that. Because that's the way, that's the way discipleship works. It's a part of the process, persisting with prayer. And it's a product of a faith-filled heart. Number, number three, it's the pathway to the provision of God. It really is. You work hard, sure. You sow seed, sure. But Jesus taught us, hey, you pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. This is the way we need to pray. In fact, when you go to Luke 11 and we go back and we look in Luke 11, verse 8, he's talking about the provision of God. Let me jump back over there. I'm, I'm close. Luke 11, verse 8, he said this when he said, ask and, be, and it'll be given you, seek and you'll find, knock and it'll be open to you. Everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. If a son asks for bread any father, uh, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Everybody answer that question. If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? No, instead of it. In other words, hey, these things that are so necessary, this provision that is so necessary, persisting with God at the place of prayer is the pathway to the provision of God over our lives. Amen. Lend me three loaves. Nope, I'm in bed. Go to sleep. Go home. Lend me three loaves. No, get out of here. I'm tired. Lend me three loaves. Okay. You ain't going to shut up until I do. God loves that. It's the pathway to God's provision over our life. Number four, hey, it's the pathway to the good things of God. God has good things. Now, that's what Luke said. Here we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children. Uh, or Matthew, pardon me. Matthew said, we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will our heavenly father give good things to those who ask? You see, he don't want, you, there's no sense asking for bad things. Don't be asking. No, I start to be, I start to be mean. Ask for good things from God. How many of you know harvest is a good thing? How many of you know seed to sow towards Mirador is a good thing? How many of you know the peace of God is a good thing? The Holy Spirit's a good thing. Persisting with God. Hey, some of you, we spend so much time comparing ourselves with other people, what they got and you don't have, and we think, well, how'd they get what they got? Hey, listen, you, hey, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Come on now. It's not ExxonMobil. It's the Lord of glory. And he's the pathway to the good things of God. And let's, let me tell you something. He knows how to get, he gives good gifts, the Bible says, to his children. We being evil know how to give good gifts to our kids. Woo, how much more will our heavenly, how much more? Somebody touch somebody say, how much more? How much more will our heavenly father give good things to those who ask and keep on asking and seek and keep on seeking and knock and keep on knocking? It's the pathway to the good things of God in your life. And then finally, it's the pathway to the power of God. Because Luke's remembrance, and I love this, you, you melt the two stories together and you come up with some great insight. It's the pathway to the power of God. Because he said, we being evil know how to give good things to our kids. How much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Let me just say, If you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life, 
you need to get persistent with God about asking. Well, I asked once, I went to the altar once, and God, the, the guy next to me fell out and started talking in tongues, and I didn't get, I sat there like a bumble log, and I guess God didn't love me. And I came close to the guy, the guy next to him because it didn't happen to me that way, and so I guess it's just not God, God's will for me to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Grow up a little bit. Come on now. Persist with God. At the place of prayer. He'll give you the... We being evil know how to give good gifts to our kids and our grandkids. I'll throw that in. How much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who persistently ask for His Holy Spirit in their life and His power in their life? Somebody say amen. That's a lifestyle that God's looking for. And every disciple, this morning, we've got to start practicing. We've got to start priming the pump. We've got to start preparing our life. Listen, this is not optional. I have to throw this out. This lifestyle of persistent praying, it's just not optional. This is just part of the problem. This is just the way it has to work. For us to really be disciples. Jesus modeled it. Hey, got up early in the morning. Went to bed late at night after he prayed. Persistently. And if Jesus needed to persist with God at the place of prayer, how much more you and I? And so I'm calling us today. I'm calling me today. I'm calling my wife. I'm calling my kids. I'm calling my uh, church family, my friends, to embrace the reality that if you're going to follow Jesus and fish for men and fellowship with the family of faith and be a disciple, you're going to be a persistent prayer warrior. In fact, someone said this a long time, before you ever start talking to men about God, you better start talking to God about men. Who? Gerald Brooks told us at a leadership conference, he said, guys, you ever going to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord? You better been with the Lord before you get up and start talking like you are, the, like you're speaking for Him. You better talk to Him before you talk about Him. And stand up for Him. And that's the same way with all of us. So as we close today, I call you very simply to a lifestyle of persisting with God at the place of prayer. Be obstinate about it. Hey, and here's where I want you to start prep, prepping your life. Hey, pray for people to be born again. Make a list of people who you know are, are outside of the will of God for their life and start praying for them every day. Calling their name out to God. Praying for God to touch their life and to send His power and His presence in their life. Start persisting with God and praying for our missionaries and for the opportunities we have in the coming days before us. And let's persist with God together. Let's stand together. There's a call to the place of prayer. There's a call. In fact, interesting thing about the model prayer that Jesus taught in Matthew 6. 
it works for you by yourself. But Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven. In other words, this is something we can do together. One can chase a thousand, but two ten thousand. We start linking together at the place of prayer. The Bible says where two or you come together and agree about anything in prayer. You start agreeing together. The power of agreement goes in. There's what I call the multiplicity of effectivity. That's not a word, but I made it up and it works. The multiplied impact of a corporate prayer effort over your life is profound. Over your family is profound. Over your finances is profound. Over your children is profound. Let's bow our heads together. Father, today as we come together and as we close this service, may we do so with a stirring in our heart and a commitment in our heart to begin to pray like you pray and to follow along the mindset and the model that you gave us in Matthew 6 and Luke 11, Lord, that we would use that prayer not as a as a repetitive prayer that we pray but as a model to follow and just begin to follow you and begin to persist at the place of prayer like you persisted when you were here and you prayed for us and you asked God to help us and to keep us and before you left you prayed for us again and you modeled this prayer life for us so much so that the disciples who were following you said teach us to pray I'm going to ask you right now here in this room some of you have big question marks about your prayer life hey all you got to do is what they did and just say Lord teach me to pray today help me pray like you want me to pray help me begin to bombard heaven and pray the way you would have me to pray come on I'm just asking to as your pastor I'm asking all over again Lord teach me to pray don't ever let me assume that I know got it all figured out Lord teach me to pray lead me to pray Lord help me to persist with you at the place of prayer I thank you for it today Lord let it be in my life a lifestyle of persisting with God at the place of prayer. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Now here's our homework. You want to know your homework? Here's our homework for this week. Our homework this week is we're going to persist with God over our church family. That God would grace us been talking to some pastor friends of mine and asking insight about them about some things that maybe I'm blind to about our church and how I can help lead our church to a whole new level of, 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 of making a bigger difference now, I'm not talking about just nickels and numbers I'm talking about souls and lives and family and so I'm praying God open our eyes to see and I'm praying that you and, and me this week listen Here's our prayer. Let's pray all week long. Let's persist with God. Say, God, help our church to begin to make a bigger difference. Not just in Mexico, but right here in Southeast Texas. Not just in India, but right here in Southeast Texas. Not just in Africa, but right here in Southeast Texas. Let's make a bigger difference right here. Teach us how to do that. Help us do that. Amen. Could you do that with me? Father, help us this week. Begin to cry out to you for our church family. Give us way and means and insight to make a bigger God difference in people's lives so there'll be more for heaven and less for hell. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Well, it's been a great day. It's good to have you here this morning. Thank you so much. Beverly, raise the little bag. Raise the little bag. I, I need everybody to bring me a whole bunch of these. 
we got 160-something little kids who, who need one. I just need you to do it for me and whatever resources you can do. And there's other things going on this week, a lot of things. Our Thanksgiving uh, Sunday is not this Sunday, next Sunday. It's the Sunday after. Look in your bulletin, plug in, get involved. Anything special you want me to mention? The next Sunday evening is Man Church. All the men go, ah, ah, Man Church, okay? We'll be together and then the ladies. It's going to be a great time. So a lot of great things going on. If you're searching for a church home, you believe I'm your pastor and this is your home at the close of this service, Jim and Trish will be here. Uh, if you just believe God is adding you to the church family, come and take them by the hand and just say, we believe God is adding us to Church on the Rock North. They'll get the job done. Also, if you need to be water baptized, very soon we'll be baptizing. And so if you need to be water baptized, sign up in the info booth out there. It's going to be a great holiday season. I'm excited about this ending strong and finishing, uh, starting strong. It's going to be a great time. God bless you. I love you all. Let's just lift our hands and say thank you, Lord, for your word in our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night right here at Church on the Rock.